2: Brian, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Glad to hear.
1: Um, unfortunately, doing better than our Raptors, I guess.
2: Um, <laughs> That's an understatement.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess as we go ahead and start, since we haven't talked since the season ended, Brian, I just kind of want to get your feelings on the Cavaliers series as a whole, and I guess let's start with the Cavaliers series before we look at the season as
2: a whole. Well, Cavaliers' series redefined disappointment. I thought that I'd beaten the ultimate disappointment all those years ago when Vince Carter's shot against Philadelphia clanked out and, and we lost that series. Now, of course, I was also at the game when Kyle Lowry's shot was blocked by Paul Pierce more recently in, in Game 7 against the Nets, uh, which was not exactly a fun way to end the end the year either. But this one is is like a gut punch. I, I I predicted the Raptors in five, which obviously was wrong by a factor of, of infinity. But but it's also how they lost. They got smoked in games two and four. They were right there and should have won. I mean, come on. Game one was, was ludicrous. Game one was was in in the bag, and they threw it away. And game three after that phenomenal comeback, to have the what other people are calling a defensive breakdown, which allowed uh, LeBron to bring the ball up and make that crazy shot for the win. So, But it all ends up at the same place. Whether you lose by one, you lose by 15. You still lose. And it was, it's been a devastating playoff series as a result. I thought we were in really good shape after the Washington series. I thought that winning game six on the road was a real character builder, and we were in, in very good order against that, against Cleveland. And then, you know, I was at game one. Uh, we were at 14 points after Q1, and it all went downhill.
1: Yeah, um, and I I've see a lot on Twitter people rehashing the series, and they say, you know, if we would have got game one, it's a different series. And that's true, but, you know, you didn't get game one. You lost it, and sure, you could have finished, but that doesn't ex- – used the games and games two and four you just got your doors blown off so even if you do win 50 percent of those 50 50 battles you're still down 3-1 in the series so i mean you were thoroughly outplayed um like you said the the end of game one was really disheartening the fact that someone no one just grabbed the ball went up strong and at least maybe some contact where you might get a foul call, but instead just kind of went after the tip. Um, that was disappointing. Game two, I, I'm willing to deal with a little bit. LeBron was just in another zone where he's hitting step back and step back, uh, fade away jumpers. Um, that's tough to deal with, but Kevin Love going off in the series is rough. And then game three, like you said, I – I don't know if I would call it quite a defensive breakdown, but there was no even idea of help. No one even came over and pretended like they were going to help on that jumper. So you say, yeah, it's a tough shot running to your left, Dolph, glass, one foot. But if LeBron knows that he doesn't have to make the pass and you don't even kind of fake show, then you're still giving the best player in the world a chance from you know 12 feet out to make a shot. So... It was disappointing in every way, and I think it kind of really makes you reevaluate the team as a whole.
2: Well, it sort of makes you reevaluate the coaching as a whole because it seems to me that the one thing that you could not allow to happen in a situation like that was for the world's best player to take the final shot with no time on the clock. I mean, you had to find a way to get that wretched ball out of his hands and in the hands of, of somebody else, even if it's Kyle Corver. Of course, Corver is a terrific shooter. And it would, that would have been a regrettable guy to take the last shot. But at least it's not bloody LeBron. Because if it's LeBron, you leave yourself open for severe criticism, or in this case, being fired. Because Messiah Jury apparently came into the dressing room after game game three and uh, had a few warm words with his coach. I mean, you know, and I, I don't
1: particularly I don't like that. Um, I think it's a poor message to send in game three where they said players apparently could hear. I don't think you should undress your coach unless it was a clear, insubordinate act of something like we have a minutes limit on this guy and he shouldn't play with that minutes limit or something like that. I'm, I'm not crazy about Masai doing that, but like you said, I, I do agree with you as far as it was a terrible decision to... Tai Lu made a great play or made a great coaching decision by putting them at the other end of the court, and instead of taking the ball up at the half court. I thought that was a brilliant decision. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't think about it till afterwards. But, you know, that's a decision that he made, and you have to counter it as a coach. So, I mean, you know what I mean? You can't be out coached by Ty Lue, who I don't think many people are viewing as some kind of tactician.
2: <laughs> no. Well, and that's the point that I made in my post that, that Dwayne Casey didn't lose because of strategy. He uh, didn't lose his job because of strategy. He lost his job because of tactics. Because when the X's and O's were needed, when when that uh, marker board was called upon, the, the right decisions weren't there. And we lost. And that's what happens when you're playing a great team. Well,
1: right. And between that and you watched. CJ Miles get switched onto Kevin Love, and Kevin Love just oh. abuse him in the post every single time. And it was like, are you going to counter that somehow? Or are you going to counter that some way? It was just, I mean, four times in a row they watch switch, post up Kevin Love. Kevin Love's either getting to the line or getting a somewhat decent look, and I think he could have even made more of those shots.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, that, that was an absurd decision. I was, I, I, my face was in my hands watching that because poor CJ, he's not—he's not there to be some kind of a stopper. He's he's okay on the perimeter as a stopper, but asking him to, to cover a guy in a post-up situation like that, particularly a guy like Kevin Love, an all-star, I mean, come on. It's absurd. And sure, yeah. For it. Yeah,
1: I agree completely. I mean, you can't put that blame on CJ um, in that situation. You have to have better personnel decision-making as a coach to understand and, we switched every pick-and-roll, and I wish we would have tried something different. It seemed like we were just willing to switch everything, and whoever was guarding Kyle Corver as a result guarded LeBron. So LeBron had an OG on him. They ran a Kyle Corver pick-and-roll, and boom, three seconds later, you have LeBron on someone besides one of your primary
2: defenders. Yeah, and it's, it's, even if your primary defender is covering that guy, it's not exactly an easy assignment. And we got got this, this and zealous rookie who, God bless him, did a pretty good job as far as I was concerned. You know, I was impressed with what OG did. He didn't back down. He kept his cool. And so that guy's got a bright future.
1: Absolutely. I think that was probably the biggest bright spot from this series was OG and Anobi came to play game in, game out. Um, and in a series that obviously didn't have a lot of bright spots, that was at least one that you could hang your hat on, is that he looks like a real player. And I think that kind of I went into the – Postseason, wondering if he was going to be a if you needed to upgrade the small forward position this offseason, and I don't think you need to at all. I think he's your small
2: forward moving forward, at least. I think he's been far more than I could have possibly hoped for for a 20 year old kid coming off a serious injury. And then you could contrast that to our so called all star backcourt, who were just dreadful, inexcusably bad.
0: Not bad, guys. How are you?
1: Good. Excellent. Me and Brian were just discussing the Cavalier series. Um, kind of what went, went wrong, different opinions. And um,
0: I guess, Jordan, what's your big takeaway from the series? Uh, what what went wrong in the Cavalier series? How much time do we have? Um, no, uh, you know, I think offensively they were fine. Um, I just think defensively they were, uh, I, I mean, uh, unprepared would be the one word I, I would use. Um, you know, watching Game One of the Boston series, it became pretty evident that Cleveland is guardable, um, and you know, Boston figured out figured out how to slow them down. Whereas Toronto, over the course of four games, never really seemed to have an answer for what I deemed to be pretty simplistic offensive sets. I mean, they were getting beat by one pass or one cut or uh, you know, they just—they didn't seem ready. Uh, pretty simple. Uh, that's kind of how I—that's kind of how I saw it. I mean, you can talk about Game One being a heartbreak, which it was, but uh, if you're serious about winning a title, you got to be able to bounce back from something like that, as uh, as heartbreaking as it was at the time. Yeah, I think that was pretty much echoed me and Brian's sentiments
1: completely. I <laughs> Yeah. We both kind of agree that Ty Lu out-tactitioned Casey in the series. Um, there was a lot of simple actions that kind of fooled us between whether it's just a simple LeBron quarter pick and roll which we were forced to switch a million times. Um, Kevin Love getting one-on-one situations in the post and, you know, kind of late game breakdowns, I think, um, I think Casey's been a great coach for us or, or was a great coach for us, but I think in
0: this series, to be honest, he got his lunch shaken by Tyloo. Well, and I think just to add on to your point, because I completely agree, Coach Casey was was a great culture coach. Um, I think he established a lot of you know key uh, you know key culture components that we enjoy now. But where he fell drastically short is being able to make on the fly in game adjustments, X's and O's. You know that was never really his strength and when when are x's and o's and tactician and on the fly adjustments most important in the playoffs and where has this team struggled year in and year out in the playoffs so that's where i think the next hire whoever Masai decides to go with they they need to be more of an x's and o's tactics uh, coach uh, more than they need to be you know some big culture culture guy that uh, that casey was um but uh one more point. It was on. You were talking about Kevin Love post-ups, and I was actually listening to a podcast a few days ago, and the guy on it was talking about how he saw. I believe it was five straight possessions where they posted Kevin Love up on C.J. Miles. Yeah, so we just talked oh. about that. Oh we yeah. just talked about that. Yeah. Okay. All yeah.
2: right. A yes. Oh my God.
0: They're saying they wrote down in their notebook and said this is this is going to get Dwayne Casey fired, and you know here we are.
1: Yeah, it's, it's tough and I guess Jordan, do you think it was time to move on from Casey or what were your thoughts on the fire?
0: I, I I thought it was time to move on. I mean, like I said I I don't think this team was getting any better or going any further with Dwayne Casey as the coach and uh, not taking away anything he's done because he's done so much for this organization for the country, for you know all that stuff, but uh, in terms of you know a, a basketball related decision, I, I did agree with the move. Um, but with that said, they've got to, they've gotta hit it out of the park with their with their next hire. Um, who that is I, I don't know yet I know there's a lot of names being thrown around. I don't want don't wanna you know uh, suggest either way who, who I think it should be. Um, I'd rather just kind of let it play out.
2: <laughs> well, you're being very bashful I, I have no problem suggesting who it should be. Who do you think it should be, Brian? Well, okay. <laughs> I, I, I don't want to say one person because I want to throw out a couple of possibilities here. I have a lot of respect for Nick Nurse. I've talked with the man. He's very smart. He's very thoughtful. He listens. And I think he's paid his dues. Um, so he should get a long, long look from the team and from the Cy, of course, in particular. Another guy is Jerry Stackups because he looks like a man who's a very quick study because he's gone from being a, a really top-ranked player. I mean, Jerry Stackhouse was a hell of a player. I agree, and now, absolutely. And now he looks like he's turning into a hell of a coach in fairly short order. And he certainly won't have any trouble getting respect from a veteran team because this guy has done it in, in his in his career. And the third person, I'm going to throw up there, is none other than Becky Hammond. Yes. All right. Fair enough. I'm all I'm all in on the Brian train now. <laughs> because, I mean look Masai has made no bones about the fact that he hires women for every kind of job. And there are tons of them in the organization. And it would be kind of the cherry on, on the cake to hire Becky Hammond as the first female head coach in the NBA. And she's done it all too. She's been it was a great player and she's been a She's been coaching at the feet of the master in San Antonio for years, learning how to do her thing, and it's time. Great. The the one thing I would say about Nick Nurse, and and I don't know how you guys feel
0: about um, Nurse versus Saka, I just, something about Nurse just feels uh, too too close to Casey in a way. I don't know if I'm alone in that. I think Stackhouse is a, is a little more distant because he obviously was coaching the G League. He's coached a lot of the a lot of the young guys, obviously, during their time in the G League. Whereas Nurse, I don't know. I almost feel like if if you know why why fire Dwayne Casey if you're just going to go with Nick Nurse? Now again, maybe that's not a popular uh, popular opinion uh, amongst Raptor fans, but I I just I I really think they got to look they got to look um uh, beyond Nurse and uh Rex Kalamian, who I believe is also being considered but given the fact that he was in charge of the defense uh, I don't know how serious uh <laughs> how serious they're going to be in uh, in considering him because obviously the the defense didn't perform very well in the playoffs
1: well i have a couple points uh, to guess about a couple of these candidates um First off, um, with Jerry Stackhouse, I I guess what do you guys think it brings? Is it just the former player role that he brings that Nick Nurse in it? Because I think a lot of people forget that Nick Nurse was the G League or it was the G League at the time. The G League uh, champion was led the Rio Grande Vipers to the best record in the G League, and kind of was the best coach in the G League for years before becoming an assistant coach. Um, so I guess what what do you think that Stackhouse has that, D, that Nick Nurse doesn't as far as, like, resume? Which, I guess, Jordan, I understand your point that he's too close to Casey, but just in general, um, I think that his resume just stacks up a little bit better than uh, Stackhouse's right now.
0: Um, do you want to hear You can go, Brian, if you want, or uh, or I can uh, I can say my part first.
2: Well, I, I think that Stackhouse's NBA career was – distinguished enough, long enough, and with enough coaches and players to have picked up an enormous amount of ideas and concepts and possibilities. And I think that he he's, seems to have taken that to the G League quite successfully. So although I'm all in favor of, of long apprenticeships for NBA coaches, I think that in the way that he's come at his um Coaching career. This is this might be an appropriate form of long apprenticeship, but this happened to be on the floor rather than on the bench. Yeah. Okay. I mean that makes sense.
1: I just I I guess as someone who leans towards Nick Nurse, I value the coaching experience a little bit more than the playing. But I I do understand that. I mean there's different types of experience you gain, and staff house obviously has the playing. Um,
0: Nick Nurse. I also got. just to add like one more point I also think too I mean I, I was just trying to been trying to kind of look into the window in terms of you know what's going to go into this hiring decision and I mean I'm not going to speculate on the futures of DeRozan and Lowry I think that's that's going to be done or that already is being done it will continue to be done but you know th- this new coach coming in is going to have I believe at least one year with the current Group of guys, uh, because I believe DeRozan and Lowry, if they are going to get moved, they're more likely to get moved after this upcoming season, with uh, how their contracts kind of stack up. So, you know, if you give Stackhouse one year with DeRozan and Lowry and see how see how he connects and kind of builds relationship with them. Um, and and depending on how next season goes if you wind up moving on from both of them now you're left with a young core of players who have basically grown with Zachary. Jerry Stackhouse. yeah okay so that's that's another that's another thing whereas nick nurse i know he's part of the organization but uh, you know he's he's spent uh, the majority of time with with the big club and therefore hasn't had the same level of uh of interaction with uh, with the younger core
1: yeah I, that makes sense um I totally get that. Um, and my other my other point on Becky Hammond is, no offense to Becky Hammond who I think will get her shot one day, but I don't understand she's been talked about so much more and I under- I guess I do understand why because it would be so significant for so many reasons bigger than basketball. But I I think Attor Messina, the guy for the Spurs, is more accomplished than she is as far as just an assistant who you know, he was The number one assistant he was the interim coach when pop was out and you know i he's just he's been
0: more battle tested yeah i mean under you know who coached under greg popovic regardless of their their gender should be uh should be considered for head coaching positions obviously with becky hammond there's the 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 added um for lack of a better word hype around her because she would be the first first female head coach um
1: It it just bothers me. I guess She she wasn't in the front row of coaches this season. And to not be on the floor level, I'm not saying that she won't be a great head coach one day and that certainly she can be. But to not be on the first row of assistants... To
0: me, to jump to a head coaching gig is kind of worrisome. Do you, I mean, I mean, it, it's it's I guess that's a little different, but you know, there's a there's a guy in there's a guy coaching in Boston who didn't spend any time on the front row of a, an NBA coaching staff. Sure, but he was a head coach. Um, he a- I know he was, but he but, but he was a head coach with you know a bunch of a bunch of kids, uh, and coaching kids is a lot different than than coaching um, pros. Uh, So again, I know I know it's it's not the best example, but I just I I don't think the fact that she hasn't spent time in the front row of assistance should um, factor into the to to her eligibility for a head coaching job as early as this upcoming season. I I guess is kind of all I'm saying. But yeah, there's there's plenty of candidates that are right. you know, I will say, uh, in the, in regards to the Raptors, and I don't know how you feel about this, Brian, but, you know, for an organization that has, for a few years at least now, clamored about how they don't get the respect and they don't get, you know, the, the one thing that always comes to mind is we never play on Christmas. First of all, why would you ever want to play on Christmas? You should want to be spending Christmas elsewhere. But <laughs> if you hire Becky Hammond as your head coach, you can rest assured you will be playing on Christmas. <laughs> yeah, okay. you you'll get your
1: you'll get your attention. Um and I think, listen, I don't mean this as a slight on Becky Hammond's coaching ability. To be frank, I have no idea if she's a good coach or not. She's gotten Pops approval, which to me, obviously, I would put her, her as an assistant to the Spurs. I would put her on the short list. I just think that there's other Spurs assistants like Messina that aren't getting recognized maybe as much. Um, sure. But I certainly think she should get an interview. Um, I'm not sure if she will. It looks like we're kind of focused on Budenholzer, um, which I guess it's interesting. Neither or any of us have kind of mentioned him, and um, I guess I'll go ahead and start by saying that I I don't understand the Budenholzer. To me, if you wanted to get a guy who's won 60 60 games or around there and gotten whooped by LeBron in the playoffs, then you would go ahead and keep Casey around. Um, Exactly. He seems very similar to Casey. I think when you're talking about Stackhouse, Nurse, Hammond, Messina, all those guys or girls, um, at least they bring a new lifeblood into the organization, and I guess they bring something that you haven't seen. Um, I, think Masi- or I think that Budenholzer is very similar to Casey, and I think their
0: resumes, if you lined them up blind mm-hmm. next to each other, you'd have a hard time choosing which one is which. Agreed. I'm just a sucker for outside-the-box ideas, right? Like, Budenholzer, to me, just, again, feels like you're grabbing a fish out of a recycled pond. Yeah. You know, whereas, uh, yeah, I just, you know, uh, yes, it could, you know, we could be having this discussion a year from now, and, you know, uh, Becky Hammond or Stackhouse could have just coached the Raptors to a disappointing season, and everyone will be going, oh, you should have brought in an established guy like Budenholzer. But... I don't know. It's just I'm I'm not I'm not uh, as as keen on the idea as uh, seemingly a lot of people are, or a lot of the experts, or a lot of people in the rappers organization, obviously, because he uh, he continues his name continues to 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 come up uh, as the the preferred candidate.
2: Um, so yeah, which I, I find know. I find that mysterious as well. I and mean, I, I did I did mention him because I forgot to mention well, I didn't mention because I don't want him as a coach I, agree <laughs> I mean you know just recycling that guy who has not proven anything vis-a-vis the, the Cleveland Cavaliers or anywhere else I mean one big season in Atlanta is he going to go up to dinner for that for the next 10, 10 years doesn't make sense to me
0: well exactly and, and like, like Mike said right uh, it's you know he's 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 been foiled by the same by the same guy that Casey's been foiled by you know, two years, two years in a row, or, or, or one year, uh, you know, after the 60, 60 win campaign in Atlanta, you went and got got swept by LeBron. So, uh, you know, if, if, if you're gonna sign Budenholzer, why wouldn't you have just kept Casey?
1: Well, uh, it, and it's know. this idea that again that we need experience as a head coach, and I know it's not at the NBA level when you talk about Messina, Stackhouse, and Nick Nurse. They all have experience being a head coach at some level, and for Messina, it's in over in Europe. And for Nurse and Stackhouse, it's in the G League. Um, yeah, they haven't had their chance at the NBA level yet. But it's not like that; these
0: guys have never been a head coach at any at any level. Yeah, no, exactly. Well, Steve, Steve Kerr, I don't, he, I, I don't believe Steve Kerr had any um, had any coaching experience before he took over for the for Golden State, did he? I mean, he might have worked in the front office. No, yeah, he was a front office guy. Um, he was a front office guy, but you know, like that. And I think that's what Brian was alluding to about Stackhouse is. You know that I'm not. We're not saying every player translates into a good coach, but you know Sackhouse would bring that you know familiarity. And you know specifically, you look at maybe a guy like DeRozan. Uh, maybe Sackhouse could could unlock something uh, in him. I mean, there, there's a lot of things to point at in Casey's tenure that kind of leave you scratching your head. But one thing that I've long marveled at is for a defensive guy. Which Casey was billed as he never ever got DeRozan to 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 play what I deem to be um, good defense. Uh, you know, if if you want to be a leader of a team, I think you got to play both ends of the court hard. And as much as I love DeMar DeRozan and I love him a lot, he has never given what I think to be a consistent effort on defense. And when you're a defensive-minded coach and you can't get your leader to buy in defensively. I don't know. That's a red flag to me.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And if you you talk about the Raptors, maybe one thing that they've missed over these postseasons is toughness. I I don't think anyone's questioning Stackhouse's toughness at any point. Um, True. <laughs> at any point ever. Um, and just as we kind of wrap up the candidates, I and I haven't seen much of this for the Raptors. I've mostly seen it for other teams. I've seen the Kenny Anderson, Stan Bang or not Stan Bang, Jeff Van Gundy ones. And I, just, I hope that we don't even go closer. Mark, uh, Mark, Mark Jackson as well. No, yeah, like just, I, don't, I don't want to touch the guys who've been working in TV for the past five years with the 10-foot pole. I mean –
0: No, no. Uh, I, I, I even heard David Blatt's name considered. Oh, my no, oh because, because David Blatt served as an excellent assistant under LeBron a few years ago. <laughs> but, well uh, – Sorry for that comment.
1: But. Yeah, David Blatt <laughs> – Floyd David David never up. bothered me with his ex's nose. It's just the kind of arrogance he brought to the team where he thought. I, I mean, they talked about. Uh, I read the book by Win Horse and McMenamin about the um, Cavaliers, and his first win in the NBA, the team gave him a ball to congratulate his first NBA win, and he turned and said, "I've won so many games over in Europe. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah. no one's gonna buy into that. No one cares what you did in Europe." Once you're in the NBA
0: to be frank. It's true. I mean now like that, all that stuff got you where you are. Now stop resting on it. Now you gotta win some NBA games. No, that's 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 a that's an interesting point. I I didn't know that you said. <laughs> yeah, so
1: I I don't think that David Black's in the card for the Raptors, um and I hope he's not as well. Um it, instead of coaching, I guess, what do you guys think is next for this Raptors roster? Do you think We'll start with you, Brian. Do you think that they're going to more or less run it back with the same team? Do you expect a major overhaul?
2: What, what are you kind of looking at? Well, my post this morning had to do with trading search, And I certainly think that his non-appearance in the playoffs is, is too serious a problem to be papered over. And, and for a new coach to come in and say, oh, well, I, I, can, I can reach him or whatever. I, I think it's, the situation is too far gone surge, and I think we need to cut our losses. And I speak as somebody who was thrilled when he came back and was re-signed by Masai. But I, I can't excuse his his wretched playoffs.
0: Jordan, what do you think? I, what do you think? Well, I mean, I, I'm I'm right there with Brian. I just, I mean, first I didn't know that. I thought you had to know how to dribble to play basketball, and I didn't <laughs> see Serge dribble in uh, dribble with any level of success in the playoffs. He was. You know, I think he scored, like, 87 total points in the playoffs, and he had, like, 23 of them in the first game. So he was he was a huge disappointment for a guy who, you know, let's call it what he, he was supposed to be, the, the third piece of a, of a Toronto Big 3, uh, and he wasn't exactly that. Um, with that said, I don't know who's taking surge right now. Um, you know, we're, the Raptors are a year removed from trading Getting out of Damari Carroll's contract it cost them a first round pick, and I think it would cost them a first round pick to get out of a Abaka's deal. And you know, I don't think Ujiri wants to make a habit of trading first round picks every uh, offseason to try and offload bad contracts. So
2: well, we don't have one.
0: No, I well I know we don't have one this year. I don't know when our next one is, but um, I, I I do. I do believe moving on from Serge would be a uh, would be a good start, but I don't know who's who's taking him at this point. Yeah, uh, I, I, I expect them more or less to come back with the same crew, give give the new head coach one year with them, see how they respond, and then depending uh, depending on how next season turns out, you go from there because then you'll have DeRozan, Lowry, and Ibaka, I believe, all with one year left on their deals. Uh, DeRoz- to keep. He- DeRozan will have or, two. DeRozan will have two. But yeah, the right, other two right. have one. The other two have one. So, you know, maybe you, you have an easier time moving on from one, two, or or potentially all three of them. Um, but I think next season it should be a lot of the same guys. That's just my feeling right now. But, you know, a lot can change between now and, uh, now and next season. So we'll have to wait and see.
1: Sure, um, and uh, to your point about uh, Lowry and the being on one-year deals, um, Jonas Valanciunas has a player option for that deal of 17. I think you can pretty much put it in the bank. He's going to accept that deal, um, mm-hmm. seeing as it is. So he also will be on a one-year expiring deal. So like you said, that would be the time if you kind of wanted to depending on what you want to do, you have the ultimate flexibility of either stripping the team bitter, Um And, of course, you'll have guys like Pascal Siakam and DeLon Wright, who up now are looking for their payday. Um, but I don't think they'll get – I don't think you're talking any max money or anything like that. I think when you get, have those guys on one-year deals, that's when you kind
0: of have the malleability. Um, and it will yeah. be a little bit more difficult this off. Well, Pascal Siakam I- – is a jump shot away from being a very, very special player, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think if the jump shot comes, he could mm-hmm. even become an all-star. Um, but yeah, but I also think there's, there's, a, there's a couple players in the league that you're like, if they get the jump shot and then it just kind of never happens. Um, but I, I think even if he doesn't get the jump shot or if he could at least get corners, it would help him.
0: Um, I still oh, yeah, think he's a usable player. Yeah, he doesn't even have to be a he doesn't have to be a dead eye shooter, but you know if he just shoots, uh, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm talking like Draymond Green, Draymond Green type of you know. Yeah, yeah, uh, I agree. Rat level from three. Uh, he's gonna get open shots. Yeah, I, he's gotta gotta be able to
1: make them. I can look it up now, but I think if I had to guess, I would say Pascal shoots 27% from three, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so that's ugly. yeah, it's not great and.
0: To, to give him credit, he was shooting him, um, which is at least a but step in the right direction. The only way you're going to get better, right? I mean, you got to take it, him. It's worse. It was 22% from three this oh. year.
2: But there was one point in the season where I think he was 0 for 44 or something like <laughs> that. He
0: was so say,
2: it's, he, was, he was due. He <laughs> was due. Well, you
1: know, how, you know no. how much confidence you have to have to be over 44 to fire up
2: that 45th shot. Um, well, yeah, precisely. And, but I mean, this is a guy who's has less basketball in his life to this point in his life than anybody you care to name. I mean, he's he's played hardly at all. He was a soccer guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he shot 1.6 really, really this year. Yeah,
0: I think he only picked up a basketball at like 16 or something. I want to say. He was a uh, he was definitely a uh, definitely late to the party. Yeah, I think it was him and Joel needs another one that didn't pick up a basketball. They said until. Uh, so. How about that? That was it that was a, a, a. How surprised were you guys that um, Boston dispatched of Philly as easily as they did? Very. I was very surprised. I was too. I didn't uh, I didn't think they were. I didn't think that was going to be uh, as one-sided as it turned out uh, turned out to be. Boston's uh, something special, and yeah. doing it without uh, without Irving and Hayward, man. I, I wish uh, I remember on an earlier podcast, Mike, you asked me who the coach of the year should be, and I gave my just biggest wing Casey pitch. Now <laughs> I'm looking back, going, oh man, I mean, just what Brad Stevens has done without Kyrie, without Hayward, and don't get me wrong, they are players that they have are special players and great players, but you're still missing two perennial all-stars you know we're talking about a team who had probably one of if not the healthiest year among NBA teams and uh they uh they crash landed in the playoffs and I, I could I couldn't imagine Toronto having to do a playoff run without DeRozan and Lowry right well it's remarkable and then I, I know it's one game in and certainly
1: the series is long but for the game one smackdown they put on Cleveland I thought that was like a fifth loss for the Raptors to see how well that you could defend the
0: Cavaliers if you actually schemed them out well and you know played solid defense. When team. I saw that game, I said the Raptors just lost their second-round series five nothing if that was possible. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's well, it's true, right? We couldn't stop we couldn't stop them. We now I'm part of the team. Yeah. But uh, yeah. Toronto couldn't stop them for four games. Boston game one, 80, 83 points I think it was. Yeah. Uh, shut shut down, shut down LeBron. Everyone made fun of Marcus Morris for coming out and saying he was the second best defender behind Kawhi, and he ever played LeBron in Game One. You know, give the give the guy his due. He he called his shot, and he came out and delivered. Yeah, I, before the game, I put a Twitter poll who you got, LeBron or Marcus Morris? Joking around,
1: and who would have thought that the people that picked more, Marcus Morris would be correct after game? You know, so
0: Toronto Toronto could use some of that, uh, you know, nastiness and, and cockiness almost.
2: Well, yeah. we, I, I wrote about that in my post today I, about how sad it was, in fact, and overlooked the fact that we could not re-sign PJ Tucker. Yeah, that's, a, that's another. Well, and look at him; he's playing for one of the Final
0: Four teams, right?
2: That's uh, not know, a coincidence.
0: No, no, it's not. I mean, they're missing that, like I don't know, I, like sandpaper almost. They got to get a little more sandpaper on their on their team. Uh, now, you know, I, I agree with you, Brian. PJ Tucker was there last year. And, and they still got swept uh, so uh, you know th- their issues in terms of beating LeBron go beyond you know one player but P.J. Tucker is the type of guy brings the type of attitude uh, that, that I think you need to have any chance at defending a guy like LeBron and by extension succeeding in the playoffs. Lance Stevenson, people think he's an absolute joke and he's uh he's a this and that, and he's blowing in LeBron's ear. And I love but he, Lance Stevenson. I love and, him. And, 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 and he's 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 not afraid. He's not afraid of of the stage that comes with guarding LeBron James. He goes right at LeBron. And you if you have any chance of beating LeBron, you can't be afraid of him. And the Toronto Raptors are Afraid of LeBron James. I'll just say it. Um, Because I don't think you get swept and disposed of as easily as they did if you're not at least a little bit uh, afraid of him uh, or or over respect him or whatever the term you want to use. But Lance Stevenson just looks at LeBron and goes, You're a basketball player. I'm a basketball player. Let's play basketball.
1: Yeah, you almost need that guy with a sense of a little irrational confidence where you're not totally sure. Like, you know, Fred Vleet has a little of that where you're, where he's mm-hmm. ready to scrap with LeBron over something, and he doesn't care that he's six foot tall and LeBron is six foot eight, 250 pounds. He's ready to go right now, and I think he just kind of needs someone that it's <laughs> it might not even be the right fight to pick, but you're ready to go at least.
2: Well, here's a, here's a name that I saw as a free agent available, and who I like a lot, Montrezl Harrell. Oh, Harrell mm-hmm. from
1: uh, Houston. Yeah.
2: Perfect. Or no, she's the clippers he
1: was in the part of the quality, I'm sorry.
2: Yeah. I mean that's a tough, nasty guy, plays bigger than his size. It must be a huge pain to try to cover. He's got a big wig span, he's muscular as hell. I mean that's that's the kind of guy we're talking about, a latter day I uh, actually more skillful Reggie Evans. Yeah,
0: Reggie Evans. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a while. Well no. I, I guess what do you guys think
1: about the idea on um, and I've heard this floated around a couple times, and I'm not sure kind of where I stand on it yet. The idea that the Raptors kind of need to consolidate some of their bench assets this offseason. That you have a bunch of guys who are, you know, seven out of tens, and you kind of need to trade in four quarters for a dollar um, and kind of trade into a better player there. Do you guys think there's any kind of weight to that theory or anything like that, uh, Jordan, if you want to start?
0: I personally think I personally think they have to get better in their starting five. I don't think there's an issue with their bench.
1: They yeah, no, to-
0: I'm am so, sorry. The way I meant
1: that is you need to trade in all these young players have value on the trade market. You need to push them in for a chip. Like I, I'm not sure who, but to be kind of a third best player to the team, or you need to tra- You need to kind of trade in those assets for another starting caliber, if not starting I'm talking a third starter, better player.
0: I mean I, I agree with I agree with your your approach or your opinion that the Raptors need to get need to get better, need to need to improve their lineup as a whole, but but um, breaking up the bench, breaking up that young core who we've already talked about being, you know, an advantage for a guy like Stackhouse coming in. I, I don't think that's a road you want to go down. Uh, just yet um, I, I i wouldn't want to touch the bench this offseason again uh, i i would i would want to keep them intact uh, i would i don't know i i honestly look and go if you want to you want to trade people on that team i'm looking at the i'm looking at the big three uh, and possibly jv more than i'm looking at the bench uh, i just think um, sorry is there someone's got
2: I'm picking up that's, static. That's. I think it's just the internet. It's just it's Skype. Skype gets a lot of crap on it. Sometimes. Oh. Okay. Okay. Um,
0: yeah. I I, I. I. get where you're coming from, Mike. But I. I mean, who specifically would you? Would you? I think maybe at some point they might have Delon. Sure. I think. Yeah. I think that's the, that's it. You know, I. I wouldn't want to be parting ways with um, with Siakam. Um. Pirtle. Pertle's is an interesting one, actually. If you could, if if if, if somebody had a had a liking to Pertle and you could pack him as part of a deal, maybe. Right. Uh, I, I absolutely see that. My thought is that these bench guys. That while I love the bench, I
1: am not sure if any, with maybe the exception of OG and Anobi, are anything more than the fourth best starter on a really good, on a championship team. Um, you know what I mean? I think they're all really good. But I don't know if I see kind of maybe the star potential in them as much as I do in other players around the league. I think that, like, I don't think Jakob Pertle is ever going to be the second or third best player on a championship team, same with Siakam. Even then Lee, right, all those guys, I think that they're kind of really good, but I don't know if they're that next level player. And I wonder if at some point
0: you have to try to get one of those. Well, I think – I mean, I, I'm, I'm still – very high on OG. I believe OG can be, I will honestly go, I will, I'll, I'll say it, I think OG can be a superstar in this week. I, I think what you saw in the playoffs, everyone expected him to kind of hit a rookie wall or be, I mean, he was He was arguably their best player in the playoffs. Uh, just just his, his, his demeanor, his on-court demeanor, um, he never shied back from LeBron, neither him or Siakam. Uh, but to your point about the Raptors needing to get, you know, like a superstar, I agree. I think we, we've seen now a few years what, you know, DeRozan and Lowry are as much as we love them. They're not elite players. So do, do you go out and try and try and somehow get Kawhi Leonard? I, I would take, I would, I would do that. I'd give anybody up on the Raptors to try and get Kawhi Leonard. Uh, I read somewhere that there's a rumor going around that, like 2021, the Raptors are going to aggressively pursue Giannis potentially. Huh. Uh, the, yeah. So, you know, um, again, it's just it's not easy to get those guys, right? You got to pay such a high price for them. But I think what this what this year showed us showed Raptors fans and showed the NBA more than anything is, yeah, the Raptors are a great team and they've done a lot of great things, but they they are desperately missing. That elite, elite player. Um, but you got to be careful which one you get, right? Like I don't know, like I, I wouldn't overpay for Paul George this off season, for example, right? Because well, um, I, I don't, I,
1: I don't think that's an option. I don't, I don't think we'll be able to get out of the current salaries we have. No, exactly, right. So, I think, so that's where I think if you do make your free agent push, it has to be you have to wait two years down the road when. Lowry, Ibaka, and JP all come off the books.
2: And you have to Rosen takes the next step to make someone want to come here. If I could just jump in here and yeah. talk for a moment about the bench, uh, I think that this is an interesting um, situation where both of the things that we've primarily been talking about come together. Which, and, and let me be more clear we're going to get a new coach, that's for sure. That new coach, I think, should insist upon being able to take the bulk of the lineup and do something with it because he already knows what's there rather than being donated one or more players uh, that come over that come in the summer from where you take the bench and, and consolidate into in a better player in theory and say, Here you go, buddy, here's your team. I think that he needs to be in a situation where he can look at the team up until two weeks before the trade deadline at which point he and Masai go into a corner somewhere and and decide who's going to stay and who's going to go, if anybody. But he needs a chance to to see if um, Dwayne wasn't getting everything he could of other people like, for example, Pirtle. I don't know whether Jakob Pirtle can ever be a Steve Novak three-point shooter, but I wouldn't mind finding out. I wouldn't mind running a few schemes. I wouldn't mind seeing him in the summertime and saying, okay, Jakob, let's see what you can do with your – your jump shot, because you've got an accurate shot most of the time. You know, yeah. he's got a very high percentage. Let's see what he can do. How far can you stretch it? That's, well, that's it, just one
1: possibility. And I think, I mean, I guess that goes to the advantage that you would have um, if you do hire a guy like uh, Nick Nurse, Jerry Stackhouse, is they at least have a leg up on that, where they do know the players a little bit better, and kind of, I mean, they don't, they won't know completely because they haven't had the head coach but you at least have somewhat idea of if you're Jerry Steckhouse, Yeah, I've seen Jakob Hurdle hit the short corner jumper for forever, and I at least know what's going on. So that would be one advantage of if you do hybrid. Let's kind of go ahead and move to um, the playoffs that are still going on and just the NBA in general. Um, I guess let's start with the Western Conference here. Game one is Thursday night. It will probably be aired by most people viewing this. what is your guys' thoughts on the series as a whole? Brian, if you want to go ahead.
2: My, emotionally, I would love to see Houston shake up things. I would love to see somebody other than Golden State in the finals. And I think they're, they are the one team in the West who can do just that. Because I, I mean, people have been trying for years now to stop James Harden, and they haven't figured it out. And I think Steph Curry is... He's got a cumulative series of injuries that is slowing him down just enough that he's not the player that he was a couple of years ago. And I think that Golden State is vulnerable. Uh, not to not very many teams, but Houston is one of those teams. So I'm, I think it will be a fascinating series and I'd really like to see Houston win.
1: Yeah, I guess call, call it the Raptors' sympathist in me. Um, I'd like to see Chris Paul get to the finals. It'd be great for him to get over that hump. And I've, I I really, I hate the, argument that he hasn't made it to the NBA Finals because if you look at his playoffs numbers, they're absolutely awesome. And I'm a huge Chris Paul supporter, so I am hoping for a Rockets victory, but um, if I look at it more realistically, I think that the Warriors, I think they're just a more well-rounded team and a little bit um, you know, they just have more firepower when you talk about four of those guys. I think they're going to be a little too much, but I think that you know, Houston has a shot. I think that they're the best team that the Warriors have faced certainly since Durant's came back, and
0: I think that they have a shot, but I ultimately think Golden State's... Jordan, what about you? I, I, I agree, Mike. Uh, I, I I wouldn't be surprised if, if the Warriors take it in five. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, no, I, you know what? I've been reading and watching, and I just, I can't get by Golden State's... First and foremost, experience. I loved what Steve Kerr said when they were talking about all the all the stuff, and Steve Kerr basically said, "I like the position our guys are in. We have rings, so I think <laughs> that helps." Um, which I thought was which I thought was great. Um, but you know, I just think Golden State's you know experience, their shooting, uh, and then their ability to I I think you know handle whatever Houston throws at them, whereas. Golden State, I think, especially their small lineup, when they go with Draymond at the five, can really give Houston some problems. Well, uh, and I think a big know.
1: part of the series will be can Capel be effective on the floor, and if Capel exactly. can, I think you got a series. And if they're able to run him off the floor, then it's going to be a rough one. For It'll be interesting. Um, in the Eastern Conference, Jordan, what do, you, how do you see this going on? Obviously, Boston's taking game one versus the Cavaliers and obviously look dominant doing so um do you expect that trend to continue or do you think that LeBron carries the um,
0: you know I, I I'm I've learned over the years not to doubt LeBron James uh, <laughs> so I, I don't I don't foresee the Celtics sweeping them but I do foresee see the series going seven. Yeah. Uh, in terms of who I, I'm that first game. That first game really has me convinced that that Boston can do it, but I don't think it's going to be as convincing and as easy as Game One may have fooled people into thinking it'll be. Yeah.
1: I I think that there's a lot of things. Um. I thought it was interesting Tyloo didn't start Tristan Thompson. To be frank, I thought that. He should have went to Tristan Thompson in order to kind of counter what Boston was doing, um, playing small. I would have went big to kind of attack that, um, in particular to put Thompson on board for her. But we'll see if he makes any adjustments here for game two as he attempts to just stay in the same ballpark as Brad Stevens and then let LeBron take care of the rest. Brian, how do you?
2: Well, Boston keeps surprising me. I just I cannot understand what kind of mirrors and magic they're using to, to have gotten as far as they have without their two two of their strongest players, two of the league's strongest players. So I, I'm not sure I'm prepared to bet against them anymore because they keep proving me wrong. You know, it's it's extraordinary. I mean, you look at their lineup and I mean Horford is fabulous. Horford is like man, oh man, can we have that guy? He can do it all. But after that, and I've always loved Jalen Brown, and I was deeply disappointed that the Raptors never got a chance in him a couple of years ago in the draft. I wrote about him at the time, saying, that's the guy that if by some miracle he can fall to nine. We want him, but it never happened. Anyway, they, you know, Boston's got a lot, but somehow they, but they don't have that much, and, and Cleveland, I think, will bounce back, and I think we'll win the series, but it'll take at least six and possibly seven games.
0: Yeah,
1: I think that... Eventually, this year, the talent that Cleveland has is going to come out on top. But I think it's amazing that Brad Stevens, to be frank, has carried the series this long, or has come out with this. They didn't carry the Celtics this far, and I think that he'll be able to at least make it an awesome. Well, guys, um,
0: I think that pretty much does it for us. Uh, any parting shots that you have before we go? Got to give more respect to the Celtics players. Brad Stevens is great; he's phenomenal. But like what, like Jason Tatum? Um, You know, I know you mentioned Jalen Brown, Al Horford, you know, Marcus Smart, you know, Terry Rozier. Uh, Like, Stevens has been phenomenal, but, like, these players are just, they're balling. They're balling. I don't know how else to put it. Totally. Uh, I agree.
1: That's a great point. Um, And I'll follow it up, I guess, with perhaps a hot take here. I think if you're redrafting last year's draft class, I think that Jason Tatum goes one over Donovan mitchell still. I think he goes ahead of Donovan Mitchell. I think he's that good. He's
0: that skilled of a scorer, and I mean, you see him in the biggest stage in the playoff, playing like a man. Well, do you not think he goes first overall if they're redoing the draft? Yeah, that,
1: that's what I'm saying. I mean, he's going okay. first. Donovan Mitchell probably, likely second. I think, despite Mitchell being besides Simmons the Rookie of the Year, I think that
2: Tatum is the long, the long play with his. My league. final thought. Yeah, let's Pick Becky Hammond. Take a chance. All right.
0: Well, um, I'll talk hey, to you guys. Yo, Mike, 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 quick, quick thing though. Donovan Mitchell went uh, 13th. He went, 30th. he went 13th, right? Yeah. And you said, yeah. yeah, and Tatum and Tatum went third.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm saying if you were redrafting, I think most people would put Mitchell first, Tatum second. Oh, I would, I would okay. still keep, okay. I would go okay. Tatum one,
0: Mitchell two. You were doing you were doing a big reshuffle. I see. Okay. My bad.
1: I, I guess, real quick, before we go, um, do you guys know who the other interviews are besides Budenholzer for the Raptors?
0: Um, I, I, well, they, they were interviewing internal candidates, I believe, today and tomorrow. Uh, I think they were interviewing Nurse and Kalamian, like I said, either today or tomorrow. Stackhouse is supposed to be interviewing later this week. Uh, and then beyond that, I, uh, beyond that, I'm on discussions. Ms. had with uh, with potential
2: candidates. No, those are all the names that I've heard as well. Okay. Yeah, I
1: I hope that Messina, Hammond get an interview. Um I
0: can't think of any other assistants right now that jump off the picret as soon as we hang up. Um I'm right there with you, Brian, on Becky Hammond though. We just gotta bring Mikey over to the to the dark side. Now.
1: <laughs> I, I, I have no problems with Becky Hammond. I just think <laughs> Messina has a little bit more of a resume
0: I hear you. Oh, wow. so there's, a lot of, there's a lot of good options out there, a lot of out-of-the-box options that uh, that the Raptors... Uh, see, now it will come
1: see. back
0: that I hate Becky Hammond, and I don't want Becky Hammond to get a job when it's not true. Um, oh, it, I did not mean that. <laughs> I um, Everyone I'm. listening to this, Mike does not hate Becky Hammond. He just feels as though there are other assistants who uh, deserve, uh, deserve a, <laughs> uh, a long look. Yes. I don't There, we go. there we go. Don't hear on mic. Don't
1: hate on Mike. And then uh, if anybody does tweet about this, please spell Becky Hammond's name correctly. It's the biggest oh, pet thief i have on Twitter. It will be people supporting her as well. It's it's just absolutely terrible to see people telling saying that she's not a good
0: coach and they spell it Becky Hammond at just in I, I did that I did that earlier, but I but I took it down, so I didn't <laughs> see that. I said, yeah, oh no, it was a major mess up. I was like, oh no! Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah.
2: Oh, yeah. I echo I, that. I, I, I spell check people. Spell check people, people. no that dude. That yeah. Well, particularly with names, you've got to be so careful with names all the time.
1: Yeah. I, I used to spell Reddick wrong all the time, so I get it, people. Um, <laughs> I used to spell JJ Reddick wrong, but could spell it onto Jakubo for you perfectly so oh god I can't even say that properly oh a-n-t-e-t-o-k-o-u-n-m-p-o
2: see that was easy <laughs>
0: I'll, have to, I'll, have to, I'll have to take your word for it
2: yeah I don't
1: think anyone's good it's probably totally wrong no one's going to check me so um, <laughs> <laughs> guys, I'll talk to you later good night